We started Psalm 119 with our youth ministry at the beginning of uh, this year. And Psalm 119, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And of the longest chapter in the Bible, there are only three verses in this entire chapter that do not in some way, shape, or form reference or talk about God's Word. So you see here, this is, this is, God has said He's exalted His Word above His name. And you see the heart and the passion that God has for His own Word. But then we also see David uh, as being the man after God's own heart, as the Scripture says. We see the heart and, and the passion that he has for God's Word. And he just keeps going back to it as his source of strength, as his source of hope, as his source of comfort. He just continues to go back to the Word of God. And uh, there's no better place to go than to the Scriptures. And so as we look at it this morning, uh, we're going to see here uh, there are six, six parts or six truths in this cry that he has with God. So if you would look with me at Psalm 119 and verse 145. Verse 40, 145, the Scripture here says, he says, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. They draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Concerning thy testimonies I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. In verse 145, the scripture, he says here, David says, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. The first thing I notice about this cry is that it was a desperate cry. It was a desperate cry. Um, the stuff that David did in the scriptures, it's amazing that, that he did with his whole heart. Um, some of the things that the just in Psalms that the Bible says that David did with his whole heart are this. It says, David praised the Lord with his whole heart. He sought the Lord with his whole heart. He promised to observe God's law with his whole heart. He entreated God's favor, asked for God's blessing with his whole heart. And then he told God that he would keep his precepts with his whole heart. So God's, David's obedience to the Lord and his cry to God... This wasn't just something that he did on the weekends. This wasn't just something that he did when it was convenient. I like what one man said. He said, David's walk with God was not a casual endeavor. It was a constant obsession. When David went to God, he didn't do it half-heartedly. He went with his whole heart. And, um, you know, that's what God wants from us. God wants us to come to him with all of our heart, and, and we have the opportunity, God has given us the opportunity to cry out to Him, to come running to Him with our whole heart. I can't help but think about, uh, uh, I've been a dad now for about 20 months, a little over a year and a half. And uh, those of you that are parents, you know that there are different types of cries, right? You've got the uh, whimper fake cry, Right? The, uh, the, <laughs> is anybody looking? Not yet. You, you got, you got that one, right? That's not really wholehearted. You've got the, um, I don't know whether she's laughing or crying cry. You've got the, 
you that in the nursery. What are you doing? <laughs> there are these different kinds of, of cries. There are the, uh, there's the mad cry. The, uh, no. <laughs> you better stop before it gets worse cry. <laughs> but, you know, then there's the cry that she experienced this week. And uh, Shauna took her to get shots. And there's the, Daddy, she just stuck me with that, and you need to get me out of here, cry. <laughs> Man, I remember the first time she ever got shots. You know, they're just like, they're little. I mean, they're, they're not even a year old. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man, I'd rather like, you know, have somebody be pulling my toenails out or something than to hear that cry. You parents, you've been there? Raise your hand, you've been there? And your heart just, you know, Rick's like, yeah, last week, Brittany, she was just. <laughs> There's that cry that just screams out, Daddy! And you just want to help him. You know, that's the way we get to come to the Lord. That we've had that. If you're saved, if you know the Lord is your personal Savior, we have the adoption of sons whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And there are times in your life when it's going to feel like you're getting stuck with a needle. And you're just crying out saying, God, God, help. And, and you may not even put it into words, but that's okay because the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And in Romans 8, he says that the Spirit helps us with words which cannot be uttered. In Romans chapter 8, that the Spirit sometimes, you, you can't even, you say, God, I don't have the elocution for this. I can't frame the sentences. That's okay. God knows the cry. He knows. And that's the cry that you hear from David. You, God, this is with my whole heart. That he's completely focused. It is a desperate cry saying, God, this isn't just something that I'm casually... I, God, God... And we see here in a moment what he's about to say. It's very interesting. But, it, but we know it is a desperate cry. Notice this. It's, it's a directed cry. He says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. This prayer was directed to God. It's interesting in the Old Testament, um, we looked at it a little bit in uh, the student ministry this morning in Sunday school. There were some of the kings in the Old Testament that would set up these images and these gods of, and worship Baal. And they would set up these images in the house of the Lord. And they would, uh, one of them, I think it was uh, King Ammon, he came right after Manasseh. But he set up statutes and, and they worshipped, he worshipped the host of heaven is the way the Bible says it. So he had gods to Saturn, to the moon, to Jupiter, and all these gods. And, and throughout the Old Testament, God would reprove his people for worshiping those false gods. And he would say, they have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. And, and he, would, he would chide them for going after these false gods. Well, here, David, he directs his, his, his prayer to the Lord. Notice what God says uh, to us. Look at Psalm 34, verse 15, if you would, with me. Psalm 34 and verse 15. God says that He is a God that will hear us. He will hear the righteous. Psalm 34 and verse 15. Uh, go ahead and look at verse number 12. The scripture here says, What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. 
You know, this morning, if you have Christ as your personal Savior this morning, you're righteous. We talked about that last Sunday where we know that God is righteous and He has a righteousness that is everlasting. And for Romans chapter 3, we see that God has declared His righteousness for you and I. That we have no righteousness in and of ourselves, but that He has made His righteousness available to us through Jesus Christ. And so you, you know that if you know Christ as your Savior this morning, you are righteous. And the Bible says this promise to you, God is open. His ears are open to your cry. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. This is a, Peter, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, quotes this chapter for us from Psalm. 1 Peter chapter 3. You'll see how this lines up with what uh, the Psalm has just Told us. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So this morning, are you righteous? Do you have the righteousness of Christ? If you do, the ears of the Lord are attentive to you this morning. The God of all creation, the God of all the nations that they sang about this morning, the God who knows every answer to everything that has ever been, the one who formed it all, He says, I will listen to your cry. I will listen to your cry. So it was a directed cry. It was, you know, you think about our advocate, the Bible says, is before the Father in Hebrews 4. Uh, It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, and this was our theme last year, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For the believer, his ear is attentive To your cry. So this cry, it's a desperate cry. It's a directed cry. But this was interesting. Look back at our text in Psalm, Psalm 119. And we see that it's a declarative cry. In this cry, in in the first verse that we're looking at this morning, he doesn't ask God for something. We'll see that in the next verse. In this verse, he's just telling God something. So a lot of times we think about a cry, we think about this cry for help. Well, that's going to come. But notice this. He says in verse 145, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep thy statutes. Well, this is interesting. So his cry, it's like he just clears off a spot and says, God, God, hear me. I will keep thy statutes. It's interesting. You know, has there been that time in your life when you just told God, God, I will keep your words? That's a good day when you declare that to God. You can't go wrong when you declare that to God. And obviously, you know, mean it in your heart. You know, I love it. There, there's, for you teenagers, seeing you guys grow in your walk with the Lord, it's because there was a day when you said, I will declare And you went to an altar and just between you and God, you said, God, I will keep your word. It doesn't matter what you say, when you say it. God, it doesn't matter how you say it. I'm going to keep it. 
look at what he had said. Hold your place here. Look back just uh, at the beginning of this chapter, Psalm 119, and look at what he says in the, in the very first stanza. Psalm 119, and he says in verse number 1, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. So it's like he's an observer from the outside saying, Well, God, you bless those that follow you. And those that don't follow you, they're not blessed. And he says, You've commanded us to walk in your ways. And then he says, in verse 5, he's looking at his own life saying, Well, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. And for many of us, that's been the cry that we had. God, I will keep your word. Oh, please help me. <laughs> God, don't leave me because I... I fumble a lot. I, 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 I don't always keep it. I want to keep it. I will keep it. But God, don't forsake me. He knows his own frailty. He realizes that he is but dust. It was a declarative cry. You know, and, and if you look back at our text in Psalm 119 and verse 145, there is no and. There's no, con, there's no conjunction in this statement. You have, I cried with my whole heart, semicolon. Hear me, comma, O Lord, colon, I will keep thy statutes. It's not, God, if you hear me, then I will keep it. Or, God, I'm crying out to you, and, 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 and if, you'll just, if you'll just listen this one time, then I will do what you say. It, there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts in there. It's, God, this is my cry. I will keep thy word. Man, that's a good place to be. Just say, God, I will keep your word. Maybe it's been a while since you've told the Lord that. And you want to do... In your heart today, you can say, God, it's been a while since I've, I've been keeping your word. I will keep thy word. So it's, it's not like he's directing it toward the Lord, but he just declares this statement that he's going to keep God's statutes. But then notice this. It is a dependent cry. It is a completely dependent cry. The next verse, he says in verse 146, I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. So this is where the request comes in. And this is an amazing request. You know, I've, I've uh, known people that think when they pray to God that, uh, you know, in, in, in their heart and in their mind, they, they address God as thou and, and thine and, and holy. And, and, you know, David here, he just cut to the chase. Two words. Save me. These two words, save me, are found 23 times in the Bible. And 18 of those 23 times, it's in Psalms. Psalms is a book of just God peels back the, the, all of the curtain and allows you to see into the heart of David and the heart of these men that he's using to write the scriptures through the inspiration of the Spirit. It, it's, it's to the heart where they just, they're saying, save me, God, save me, save me. The different things that he asked to be saved from. And, and David, he wanted to be saved many times in a physical sense. He has to be saved from the wicked, from the oppressor, from bloody men, from the unrighteous from the cruel and from reproach. And this cry that he has, so he, he's just asking God to save him from these wicked people. And many times it, it, that cry, save me, is coupled with, God have mercy on me. Because he realizes he doesn't deserve it. He realizes that God's a holy God and that he's sinful man. But yet he cries out to the Lord and asks, save me. You know, I thought about this. Save me is different from help me. 
save me, that's a completely different ballgame than the way we use help me. You know, around these teenagers, you know, hey, man, will you help me get this chair? What I'm telling him is, I could get the chair, but you're a peon, get the chair. No, I'm just kidding. Evan's not a, love this guy. It's, it's, I could get this if I wanted to, but I'd rather have you do it for me. Or help me could be, um, you know, I could get this or I could stand here all day. I'd rather not stand here all day, so can you help me with this? You know, that, that's the way we use help me. Save me is, if you don't get here, there's no backup plan. I am going to die. And that's the way David cries out. He doesn't say, God, uh, think you could, could you help me out, bro? It was, save me. Uh, Peter, uh, we know that he used it in uh, Matthew chapter 14. And he, uh, the scripture here in Matthew says, and he said, come. And Peter was come down out of the ship. And he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. He didn't just want the Lord to help him. He was crying out to be saved. David, many times, he's asking to be saved in a physical sense. But you know, there was a day in my life when I asked God to save me in the spiritual sense. A day when I realized there's no backup plan. There's nothing that I can do. God, I see what you have done for me, that you lived a righteous, that you are a holy, perfect God, and that you died for me on the cross, that you were buried, and that you rose again the third day, and that you offer me salvation. God, save me. Have you ever asked God to save you in the spiritual sense? Has there been that day in, in your life? And now as a believer, you know, you can still cry out to God. And it can be something as simple as, God, save me. Save me. God, His, His ear is open to our prayer. I love this. We sing the, the song, Rock of Ages. And you'll hear that cry in this. This is the more eloquent way of saying, save me. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. That's a real beautiful, eloquent way of saying, God, save me. I'm not good enough. And if I could be the most religious person on the planet from now till the day I die, it will not wash away my sin nothing in my hand i bring simply to the cross i cling god save me <laughs> aren't you glad that god saved you so not only is it a a, a declarative cry where he's just telling god he's going to keep his words and not only is it a, a cry that of dependence on god where he's saying god save me and there are times in the Old Testament where the nation of Israel would have been completely wiped out if it wasn't for God keeping His promise. I got to read, uh, man, this was exciting. This, this last week, um, looking at King uh, Hezekiah and Sennacherib uh, was the king of Assyria. And Sennacherib came in and he was 
for the teenager. He was talking smack about God. He was, he was defying the armies of Israel and he was defying God. And God, in one night, sent an angel and killed 185,000 of King Sennacherib's men. So Sennacherib, needless to say, didn't stay around very long. He goes whimpering home. He goes back in and he starts worshiping. The Bible says where he worshiped his gods, then his sons killed him in there. God knows how to take care of those that will blaspheme and go against his name. God knows how to save. <laughs> the, the power and the might that God displayed in that one act of saving his nation. And then you look at uh, the way that he saved the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And we looked at that in, in Sunday school this morning, how Hezekiah, they reinstituted the Passover. What was the Passover? That was where Pharaoh hardened his heart. He wouldn't let the people go. And God said, here's what you're going to do, Moses. You and the nation of Israel, you're going to take a lamb of the first year, a male that is without blemish and without spot, perfect picture of Jesus Christ. You're going to shed its blood and you're going to put the blood on the doorposts. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And every door that had the blood on it in that home, the firstborn was saved. But the Bible says there went out a great cry throughout all Egypt that night because throughout the Egyptian homes, that blood was not on the door. And the firstborn in all of those homes was judged by an angel of the Lord. But God was able to save His people. He's able to save those that will cry to Him. So we see now here, and look if you would with me at verse 147, He says, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in Thy word. This cry, it was a cry that came before dawn. It was a cry that came before dawn. Now I love it. So many of you men in here, and uh, many of you ladies, you guys, you guys go to work at like three in the morning. You guys work hard and you get up early. And um, uh, the first job I ever had where I was getting up that early was working with the city with uh, Brent. And we'd get up at three, you know, the where I went to work, station two, where Chad works there, the uh, what do they call it? The service center. The service center is right behind my house. So I'd get up at like three fifty eight grab a bowl of cereal, jump the fence, and then go clock in, right? And these guys would always laugh at me because I had my bowl of cereal. That was the Brynick. That was my MO to come to, come to work with a, a bowl of uh, Cheerios. This, this was a cry that came before dawn. Uh, let's look what he says here. He says, um, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. Now, I love this. The way we use the word prevent this is what it would picture in your mind, you know? All right, so let me see here. Uh, Paul, you'll be a really good morning. All right, you come on over here. Come on up here for me. And when I tell you to arise, you're going to be the dawning of the morning, all right? So you sit right there. I just moved you. All right, so arise, my son, and the, the morning dawns. All right, so now when we hear this word prevent, this is what we think of. Arise. Hurry up, arise. Go, 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 go. Oh. We think of it as I'm keeping, I'm preventing him. Thanks, man, you can use your Bible there. So we, th we think of it as, oh, you prevent something. I, and what's really funny is get this picture. In uh, 1 Thessalonians, the way the word, <laughs> um, 1 Thessalonians 4.15, the scripture says, For this I, we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. I always love that picture when you think about using the word that way. 
You know, my, my grandmother, my uh, grandfather, they're, they're, uh, the scripture says they're asleep in Jesus right now. And so I could just imagine, you know, when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first, you know, I go, grab, you know, try and jump on my grandpa's ankle and go up with him. You know, I'm not trying to prevent him. This means to go before. It means to proceed. And so he says that that's, and so when you think about first Thessalonians now, that makes sense, right? We will not go before, we will not prevent them which are asleep, but the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air. And in this scripture, he says, I prevented the dawning of the morning. So what did he do? He sought God early. He sought God early. Uh, look at Psalm. We're going to look at a couple other Psalms here. Look at Psalm five and verse one. He sought God early. Psalm 5. And I'll just say right here, for you teenagers, you guys are getting ready to start back to school. Oh, I said it again. I love it. All right. Teenagers are getting ready to go back to school, unless you go to Christian Academy, and then you got an extra week. And then uh, if you're homeschooled, I, I found out this morning that our homeschoolers or guys with K-12, we're going to pay Michael Bermond to come up with a program that will automatically log them in at a certain time. That's what we found out we're going to do this morning. He can do it. For you teenagers, I want you guys to think about this because what's going to happen is you're going to get schoolwork. Some of you have already gotten schoolwork. Or you've had a book or something you were supposed to read over the summer. You're going to get schoolwork. You're going to get all kinds of stuff going on. But it's going to be so important for you to make time in the morning for the Lord. Now, what would be really cool is, you know, you had like a first period study hall. That usually works out well. But whatever it takes to seek the Lord in the morning, look at this. He says in verse number five, chapter 5, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. Man, that's a good way to address God in the morning, right? My King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. See the direction of his prayer there. Verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. So he sought the Lord early. He sought the Lord in the morning. Then look at um, Psalm 88. Psalm 88. In verse 13. Psalm 88 and verse 13. It's really cool the way that uh, you'll see this word prevent again. Again, you guys know if you've been here for any length of time that this King James Bible has a built-in cross-reference system. And you see the way that the word is used and it helps you to learn and study and understand the words of God. He says here in uh, Psalm 88 verse 13, But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. My prayer prevent thee. So what was his prayer doing? It was going before. It was preceding in front of the Lord saying, God, here's my cry in the morning. I will cry unto thee. So he sought God early. Um, Proverbs eight seventeen. you'll have to turn there. It says, I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Now in that chapter, he's speaking of wisdom, which is a perfect picture of Jesus Christ. When you look through Proverbs chapter eight, you see the qualities, the characteristics of wisdom. That's, that's Jesus Christ. And he says, those that seek me early they'll find me. So he sought God early in this cry that came before dawn. He sought God early, but also look at what he did. He set his hope in the, in the word. Um, in verse 147 there, the end of the text, he says, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. Verse 147, I hoped in thy word. So he sought God early, but he set his hope in the word first thing in the morning. 
He set his hope in the word. Uh, and, and again, let's look at how the scripture uses this word. We're going to look at two passages. We could look at many more. But look at with me, if you would, at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. This will remind us of what a biblical hope is. Because today, the way we use the word hope is, it's like some kind of grand wish that there's a slight chance of it coming to pass. But you're not sure. You're hopeful. I hope. Like some of these guys are hoping for snow on Wednesday. So you're saying there's a chance. No. All right. You're going to be going to school. Romans chapter 8 in verse 24. He says, the scripture scripture says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? All right. So those of you that have won the lottery, you don't any longer hope to win it. You've got it. He said, if you have it, why are you still hoping for it? And so look what he says in verse 25. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? So you see, biblical hope is I know this is going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting for this. Another passage to show that to us. Look at Acts chapter 24. And uh, you you might mark this cross-reference from Romans chapter 8 there to Acts chapter 24. And verse number 15. Uh, Paul here in this chapter, he's before Felix. He's uh, accused of all kinds of uh, lewd, disorderly things. And he's giving his defense here in chapter 24. In verse number 14, he says, But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. That's a good place to be. <laughs> the, he just believes all the book. And then he says, and have hope toward God. So he has hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there might be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Shall. So he says, I have hope toward God that there shall be a resurrection. He's saying there's going to be a resurrection. It just hasn't happened yet. And I have this hope toward God. So, so when we think about biblical hope, it is a fact based on a promise of the word of God And it just hasn't happened yet. So now, when we see Psalm 119, and we see verse 147, and he says, I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hoped in thy word. This wasn't a wishful thinking. This was him reading the scriptures in the morning, being mindful of it, and setting his faith, his trust, and his confidence in what God had said. He set his hope in God's word early in the morning. So this was a cry that came before dawn. And then it was a cry that continued after dark. Look at verse 148. Verse 148, he says, Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. Now, let me ask you. I've got to ask you. We'll ask you to raise your hand here. How many of you are morning people? No, no, no. Before you raise your hand, let me define morning person for you. Morning people are the people, Shauna, (laughs) that they get up before the sun comes up and they're just awake and they've got all the stuff racing through their head and they like turn on the radio and they turn on Mike and Mike and, and they, they turn on everything they can in the house and then they start cleaning things and like 
you smell coffee and donuts and and they're just excited to be alive. All right, now with that definition, how many of you are morning people? <laughs> Victor, how many? All right, quite, quite a few, quite a few. Shauna is definitely a morning person, and uh, it's 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 good. You gotta have. If if you weren't opposites, man, the thing just wouldn't work, right? <laughs> now, how many of you you are not morning people? <laughs> Holly, Eric's raising a hand for you. yeah. All the teenagers. Now you guys are just lazy. All right, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just teasing. They're thinking, man, I got to go back to school this week. How many of you you're staying up at least one night all night this week just before school starts? All right, Aaron. Aaron is. No, not. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> We usually don't get feedback like that in the youth ministry room. <laughs> hey, that's what happens when your parents are in the room, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. All right. Now, all the, all the night owls like me, you know, you morning people, I should have added this to the definition. You go to bed at like 8 o'clock in the evening. You night owls, now you're reading this and you're like, now here's where I get spiritual. <laughs> that preventing the dawning of the morning, yeah, right. Man, but I will prevent the night watches. Aaron's going to go to his dad and say, Dad, it's right there. Prevent the night watches, you know. It's in the Bible. (laughs) He prevented the dawning of the morning and cried. He also prevented the night watches that he might meditate in thy word. So this was a meditation. It was a cry that continued after dark. Notice this pattern as well. Look at Psalm 55, verse 17. Psalm 55 and verse 17. See, I tease Shauna like that, and then she like you know goes away for you know vacation, or she'll you know be gone if the, you know for a day or so, or if I go on the Baptist history trip, we're away from each other for a week. I don't know what to do in the morning without her. So, oh man, no, I'm serious. Everybody's like, yeah, he's just trying to say that. Um, Psalm 55. I would like to eat lunch this afternoon. So. Oh, man, if you knew her grandmother, I am shovel. All right, Psalm 55, verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. There's never a wrong time of day to cry out to God. And his pattern was throughout the day, many times through the day, evening, morning, and at noon. He will pray. He will lift up his eyes to the Lord. Look with me, if you would, at Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Psalm 63 and verse 1, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live, and I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall, be, shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. He's saying, God, early I'm going to seek you. And when I'm just laying there, getting ready to fall asleep, I'm I'm going to meditate on your word. Um, It was back around the Bible conference. I don't have the quote for you this morning, but uh, Robert Robinson that wrote, Come Thou Fount. He was a a Baptist uh, uh, preacher. And he was giving instruction, especially for young people, that if they will give themselves 
to, to memorizing and thinking about one verse of Scripture as they fall asleep. If you do that night after night, just think about how much that rinses and washes and cleans your mind out. And, and then you think about that verse in the morning when you wake up. And, um, you know, you just do that with Psalm 119 for a week. You know, you got eight verses. You get through most of them in each stanza. And, and just th- those are short uh, uh, sentences of Scripture. And, and just think about that. Meditate on those things before you uh, to go to bed at night. And then... Um, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. The only time the word success is used in the Bible, it is in conjunction with having meditated on God's word day and night, and obeyed it, kept it. And then look with me, if you would, at Psalm 1. Psalm 1. A very familiar passage for most of you. The scripture here says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You know, the Bible's a book on which the more you meditate, the more you read it, the bigger it gets. It's, it's a, a book in which you can continually meditate and never exhaust the contents of this book. It, it's just infinite. It's like the mind of God right here for us in the Scriptures. So my question to you this morning is, will you cry out to God with your whole heart? He'll hear you. If you're saved... His ear is open unto your cry. If you're not saved, if you say, oh, I've never cried out to God for my salvation. I've never asked Him to save me. You must do that before it's eternally too late. Have you decided to keep God's words? Has it been a little while since you've told the Lord, I will keep thy statutes? doesn't matter what you say, when you say it, how you phrase it. God, if you say it, I will keep it. And then, will you set your hope in the Scriptures in the morning? And will you meditate on them in the evening? You see, as morning people, you guys, you know, you'll think, man, I, you know, yeah, I'll read my Bible in the morning, but then be sure to give the Lord time in the evening. And those of us that are not morning people, that we say, man, I will stay up till like four in the morning reading the Bible. Dad? I'll stay up all night reading it. Well, will we spend? Will we set our hope in God the first thing? Um, it's amazing how. Uh, now we heard Pastor Siler, uh, the guy that um, Pastor Siler is the pastor of Cornerstone Baptist Temple in Dayton, and they hosted the and organized the week of camp that we went to at Chautauqua this year. And he said it was about a year or two ago. He wrote in his Bible, "No Bible, no newspaper." It's changed his life the last couple of years. He's like late 70s, early 80s, and he's still making decisions for God that, that are changing his life. I remember being at a youth camp, and one guy said, no Bible, no breakfast. Why, Job said, I, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. And Pastor Siler gave testimony about how much that helped him to where when he read the scriptures before the news, you almost don't really care about reading the news. You'd rather not ruin your day. <laughs> 
Why? Because he's setting his hope in God. So will you make this your pattern? Will you uh, spend time with the Lord in the morning and in the evening? He said, evening and morning and at noon, I will pray unto thee. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. And thank you for the opportunity to see David's pattern here of crying out to you.